Hi there, guys, and welcome to chapter 10 of this audiobook series of Your Inner Game, 12 Principles of High Impact Entrepreneurs. This is being released as a podstorm. It's a series of related episodes, which you can grab sequentially right here on the mattbrownshow.com. So why am I doing this? Well, it's my way of saying thank you. It's my way of investing in you. Uh, as a human being, it's my way of investing in you as an entrepreneur. And ultimately, my why here is to make the biggest difference possible to as many entrepreneurs as possible. So this is why we're releasing this number one Amazon best-selling series right here as a podstorm on the Matt Brown Show. So today we're going to be talking about agile entrepreneurship, this idea of zigging and zagging in business. And this covers an incredible story of two founders, Pepe and Gareth, who have built one of Africa's largest and most successful advertising agencies. This is really such a remarkable story, losing the business, selling the business, rebuying the business, and many, many other challenges, hence zigging and zagging. So this is one of my favorite episodes of the book. So really excited to get this one to you. And remember, if you are resonating with anything you are hearing, please do reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you. The email address you can use is hello at mattbrownshow.com or you can tweet me at mattbrownza. And above all, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for investing your time in this audiobook series. I hope you enjoy this chapter. Chapter 10. Chapter 10. Agile Entrepreneurship Wins the Day. Players Pepe Marais and Gareth Leck, founders of Joe Public. Episode 94. Principle. I will zig and zag. The voyage of the best ship is a zigzag line of a hundred tacks. Rolf Waldo Emerson. As entrepreneurs, we talk a lot about zigging and zagging, but what we really mean is that we need to be agile. The path changes frequently. It's fraught with obstacles. How you navigate them and how willing you are able to adjust to new data, opinions, and circumstances will either open up new opportunities for you or keep you stuck in the past. The story of Gareth Leck and Pepe Marais is one of the best examples of this that I've had in my show. Their initial idea was to take big agency thinking to the man in the street under a concept they called takeaway advertising. Their primary mission was to disrupt the advertising space. Today, their company, Joe Public, is South Africa's largest independent agency with a turnover of just under a billion and gross profits in excess of 350 million. But getting to where they are today was no easy feat. Pepe and Gareth's story includes an exit to a multinational corporate, the repurchase of their company, complete with the contract signed, dated and framed in their office with the plaque, Never Ever Sell Your Soul, Joe Public Independence. Losing their biggest client, near bankruptcy, and the rebuilding of the company from the ground up on more than one occasion. My interview with the two founders of Joe Public was particularly poignant for me because it wasn't just about what can go right. It was about everything that can go wrong, but learning to survive anyway. The story of Joe Public is really about the art of zigging and zagging through the hardships and realities of building a scale business, or any business really. An act of God, Pepe and Gareth's paths first crossed when Gareth saved Pepe's life. A few years later, they were introduced by a friend who thought they'd make excellent business partners. During their initial meeting at a local bar in Cape Town called Bardelli, Gareth learned Pepe was a boatman, quote-unquote, and began recounting the story of how he had rescued an idiot drowning paddle skier in April 1995. Gareth and Greg Burtish, a world-renowned big wave surfer, were surfing the first big storm of the season in Cape Town 
when Gareth came across the paddle skier, who had clearly had some difficulties. Bleeding from the head and with a broken nose, the boatman was out cold. They were out in the waves, but some red rubber piping floated past Gareth, and he was able to pull the paddle skier onto the piping and into calm waters, where the National Sea Rescue Institute could rescue him. As soon as they had Pepe back on shore, the NSRI whisked him away in an ambulance, and that was that. For years, Gareth didn't really think much more about the boatman whom he'd rescued, but never met, and Pepe never knew how he had ended up lying on red rubber pipes out at sea. But the longer Gareth spoke, the more Pepe realized that the story sounded eerily familiar. It had to be fate. Gareth and Pepe's business partnership and Joe Public's destiny were sealed. Joe Public was launched in 1998 as a rebellious creative advertising agency. Gareth and Pepe's first job was Full House in Cape Town, and they were paid 800 rand for a logo design. We literally danced around the room because we were so impressed that someone would pay us that amount of money for a logo, Pepe chuckled. For the first six months, they didn't earn a salary and were surviving on 1,500 rand a month from the Unemployment Insurance Fund, or UIF. But they didn't care. It was so liberating just to be able to get paid to do a job for a company that we owned. We were captured by the ecstasy of making art as commerce a reality, said Gareth. We called the business Joe Public because we wanted to make advertising accessible to the man on the street. Like many startups, for the first few years, the partners didn't really have a vision for the company, outside of just working for themselves. But by their second year, they had a safe full of cash and seven figures in the bank. Our takeaway advertising play was the definition of zigging, while other agencies zagged, and it was working, said Pepe. A major deal comes along. All that zigging and zagging had the desired effect, and business soon picked up, but it also had another unintended consequence. A potential buyer came knocking. Our third partner really wanted to sell the business to an international conglomerate that loved our sexy takeaway advertising model, and to be honest, the idea of having the option to move to New York was really appealing to me, Pepe professed. Ultimately, the deal was made. But it wasn't long before Gareth and Pepe realized that the acquirers didn't want the takeaway model. They only wanted Joe Public's bottom line. The local multinational sold to a larger US-based holding company, and before they knew it, they were just another subsidiary of an international giant. We were naive, and once we were part of the group, our cost base increased substantially. We were reliant on big projects coming in to cover costs, and as the managing partners, this pressure fell on us. We lost a million rand in one year. Looking back, Pepe and Gareth can clearly see that they sold too early and got shafted in the deal. But more than that, we ended up in a corporate environment that was the exact opposite of everything we had built our business on, recounted Pepe. Our holding company was all about the numbers, and it was amazing to see how our creative profile took a dive as a result. Getting Ziggy with it. During the eight-year period post-selling the business, there was a corporate-led merger with another local agency, where Pepe at one stage made the decision to fire one of the senior executives who came with the merger. It was not an amicable goodbye. And when the exec joined one of Joe Public's biggest clients, he lost no time firing the agency. Since the client accounted for 40% of Joe Public's revenue, all hell broke loose. We needed to retrench 50% of our employees. It was devastating. But there was an unexpected consequence as well. The value of the business depreciated. We realized that for the first time in five years, we had an opportunity to buy our business back. We immediately started negotiating with the holding company. The problem was that they wanted an astronomical amount for the business, which was nowhere near what we had been paid for it. 
We didn't have that kind of money. We fought for three years and eventually resigned. We just said to them, take it all. We don't want this. That's when they came back with a reasonable number that we could manage. On the 26th of January 2009, the business partners bought their company back. The day is memorialized in their offices by the aforementioned plaque. With the contract freshly signed and the ink still drying, Pepe and Gareth were celebrating in the car on their way back to the office when they received a call. A media mistake had been made that would cost the company 800000 Gareth and Pepe had put all their eggs in one basket. They had leveraged themselves to the hilt to be able to buy back their businesses. They'd also kept profits and cash flow low since 2006. We didn't have one million rand in the bank and were technically insolvent. Our houses were on the line, our kids were in private school and to top it all off, it was during the recession. So we lost 30% of our revenue literally overnight, says Gareth. Our revenue was 13 million rand, but that left very little positive cash flow after salaries and expenses were paid each month and we had no cash reserves. It had been part of our strategy to keep our PE ratio low so that we would be able to buy back the business. We were doing well, winning lorries and keeping momentum behind the brand, but we weren't chasing profits. We had never envisioned such a disaster was possible. Hippie shit makes business sense. During this period, Gareth and Pepe focused a lot on their own personal development. Pepe says he had a profound personal insight. I learned that I was very self-obsessed about being a great creative, driving a great car, winning awards, being a muser and playing on stage for people and being cool. I had to learn the hard way that none of that was me. As human beings, there is a much deeper source within us, and that's the thing that I personally began tapping into, being in service of others. This new way of being gave me extraordinary energy. I thought of applying the same purposeful approach to our business, and I went in search of uncovering our greater reason for being as an organization. Once we clarified why our business existed, it completely changed the game for us. As a result of this journey, by the time they were able to buy their company back in 2009, Gareth and Pepe had a clear vision of where they wanted the company to go and how they wanted to change course, and it all started with not putting the bottom line first. This is one of the key reasons why they were able to weather almost going insolvent. It wasn't about the money. To this day, Joe Public operates on this principle, and it has gone on to become one of the most successful advertising groups in Africa because of it. During our interview, Gareth said that he subscribes to the idea that hippie shit makes business sense. How else can you explain why a business would grow on average by 10% year on year for 12 years and then for the next 8 years grow by more than 50% year on year? You just can't explain how this is possible in a flat industry, he stated. I believe there's something bigger at play now. That's what we discovered. Fail your way forward to success. You need to make mistakes to get the lesson, says Pepe. We needed to reforge the business based on the right culture. To do that, we needed to bring the power of purpose into Joe Public. We feel our purpose on a deep level. It's now the framework of everything we do. We exist to exponentially grow our clients, our people, and our country in that order. If we focus on clients, we will grow our people, and we will have a good organization that can positively impact and help the people of South Africa. We call it growth to the power of N. Revenue growth is naturally followed, but the deeper sense of purpose is helping Pepe and Gareth make a much more meaningful impact. Joe Public registered one school at a time, a non-profit organization in 2008. Through the organization, they have taken their chosen school in Soweto from one of the poorest performing township schools in Gauteng to within the top three. 
They raise 1.2 million rand a year for the project, of which 250,000 comes directly from Joe Public. On episode 70, I interviewed Gil Oved, Shark Tank investor and former co-CEO of the Creative Council, a local agency that was sold in 2015 for more than a billion rand. We were talking about the inevitable eventualities that will test your will as an entrepreneur. He said, your breakdowns will always be your breakthroughs. Every time I felt like it was the end, I found a way to break through. And every time I kept going, it propelled the business forward. You just have to stick with it. Just like with Gareth and Pepe and the Joe Public story, there will come a time, probably several times, when you will feel like breaking down and throwing in the towel. But I truly believe that no matter how bad things get for you as an entrepreneur, there is always another move, something you can do to find perspective on your situation, push through and reach new heights. When I spoke with Howard Mann, the president of Business Brickyard in New York, he told me that you can't read the label when you're stuck in the bottle. It's such a simple idea that at the same time is especially profound. And it's exactly what happened to Gareth and Pepe. They were so caught up in the business itself that they didn't see the huge opportunity of shifting Joe Public away from a profit-focused business to one driven by purpose and vision. Building a scale business is hard. It's supposed to be. So when the proverbial shit hits the fan, remember to zig and zag your way through to success. There is always another move, always. You just need to be agile enough to spot it. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, I know being an entrepreneur can be a very lonely experience. You sometimes get stuck, don't you? Well, if you're like me, being stuck sucks. But what if you could access the minds of over 850 CEOs who have built companies generating billions of dollars in revenue and access all of that knowledge in a fraction of a second? Well, the good news is you can literally do that today. What my team have built is Matt Brown AI. It is trained on all the interviews, over 850 of them that I've done to date, all my books, all the knowledge capital that has been generated over the last 10 years right here on the Matt Brown Show. And you can get access to all of that right now for free. So how do you get access to this? Well, head on over to mattbrownshow.com and at the top, you'll see community. Hit that link, sign up. It's absolutely free and you'll be given instant access to Matt Brown AI and a community of over 100,000 subscribers. This is hands down one of my favorite stories um, of business, not only because of how Gareth and Pepe met, obviously, for the first time before they met again and launched their business, but just because so few entrepreneurs have the opportunity to sell and then actually buy back their businesses. Um, And of course, this is just a really familiar story. Build a business, sell it, celebrate, and then end up deeply regretting the decision. I've met quite a few entrepreneurs in that boat, as I'm sure you have too. So, I mean, how often have you seen this and and what's the solution? To selling your business and not being depressed. Yes. Uh, Falina, like an oxymoron. <laughs> yeah, I know, right. Um, it is um, large. I actually spoke about this at length with Bo Burlingham. He's been you know, writing about entrepreneurship since 1984, editor of Inc. Magazine. And he, he wrote a book literally about this thing that you're talking about. And uh, where he landed after doing research with something like 300 entrepreneurs who had sold their businesses, 95% of them wind up depressed afterwards. And the reason for that is because they don't think about what they are going to do after they sell. Uh, and that's that's the reality. I mean, I think about, well, in fact, yesterday I was even having lunch talking about selling 
and should I sell? Um, and you know, if you think about selling a business that hasn't reached scale yet, or it hasn't reached the size that you want it to get to, let's just say I sold it for $5 million, but you know, I reckon in three years time we'll be worth a hundred million. I'd essentially be shorting my own stock as an entrepreneur. I would be selling, shorting the idea that that hundred million dollar valuation isn't going to happen. And so I'm cashing out. And so what am I losing out on? Well, I'm losing out on the opportunity to grow people. And I actually really love pushing people and growing them as fast and as humanly possible. When you sell a business, you lose that opportunity. You lose that. You lose that sense of meaning. There is no North Star anymore. I mean, most of the guys that sell businesses, they're not selling them after six months. They're selling them after six years, 10 years, sometimes longer, 20 years, 15 years. And you invest 15 years into a, into a child, which is your equivalent of a baby, you know, if you, and, it, and it leaves the house when it's 18, you get depressed because you, as much as you, you complain about the challenges and the duress and the stress and the lack of sleep and all this stuff, and you wonder why you started and had a kid in the first place, <laughs> you know, um, and eventually uh, all of that goes away. And you look back on it and you say, well, actually, it wasn't that bad. Maybe I should have stayed there because actually I really digged being a mentor to, you know, 50 people, whatever the case is. Um, I had meaning in the struggle. And I think this is the reality. You know, you have to pick a struggle that you can fall in love with over and over again. And when you sell a business, you lose that struggle. So you have to start again. So this goes back to what we're talking about in one of the early chapters around what type of entrepreneur are you? You know, with Gareth and Pepe, They've been around for how many years now? 15, 20 years even. Um, and uh, they've sold the business, bought it back. They've now obviously done a P, uh, private equity deal, I believe, or a BE deal or something like that. Um, and they're still building Joe Public today. You know, one of the one of South Africa's most successful ad agencies. And so the, the, the reality is selling that business back then, they regretted. You know, we've covered this in this chapter and they regretted it because they sold it to acquirers whose motives were not transparent. They were told one thing, but then the acquirers meant to do an entirely different thing with their business. Um, and ultimately that business is theirs or theirs and still is to this day. And so they went through the struggle of buying it back because they felt that the paycheck that they had got was not sufficient, number one, but most importantly, their people would suffer. And so this is what Bo was telling me. He said to me, look, when you sell you have to know what you're going to do after you sell. And two, you need to look after your people when you do sell. So if you just take the money and run, what about those people that built that business with you? You know, what are you going to do with, for them? How are you going to support them? Have you really taken care of them? Um, and these are the, the types of things that, you know, when you sell a business and you reflect back on it five years later, these are the types of things that if you don't get right, you'll ultimately regret. Um, and uh, it is about zigging and zagging, which is what we covered in this chapter, right? So all these things, it's so interesting for me, entrepreneurship, because it's never finished. We touched on that uh, with the Brian story, uh, but it's never finished. And as these challenges manifest in front of you, you have to zig. And sometimes when you get pushed back, you have to zag. And this is what Brian and Pepe have done so well over so many years. I really love their story, as I've mentioned. But I think one of the big things also is this idea that this major win came out of a real loss as well. Um, because the reason they were able to buy back their business is because the business lost a major client and 40% of its revenue, which resulted in 
retrenchments, which I think is one of the hardest things that either of them has to this day ever gone through. But it also gave them the opportunity to buy their business back and, and return to their vision. How often have you seen in business that a devastating situation has a positive outcome? I mean, I, I think we've been seeing that in C19 as well. And and what's the key takeaway for listeners that when, you know, that whole idea that when the, the going gets tough, the tough get going? Yeah, so I believe that, and in fact, I've learned this to be the truth, that your breakdowns are always your breakthroughs. So even though you have to go through retrenchments, you're actually securing your future. There's no reason why you cannot rehire the people that you retrenched at some point once the business turns around. Um, and you have to do what you have to do. I mean, you know, running a business, being an entrepreneur is the equivalent of, you know, going to war, but without shooting any bullets. You know, this is the reality. You're going to lose people, whether that's through retrenchments or resignations. This is the reality. The dream has to come into reality and you have to make those tough decisions. If you don't make the right decisions, you'll lose it all anyway. You have to reconcile that with yourself when you make these types of tough decisions. I mean, the other thing to say is that I believe that these sorts of challenges, whatever they are, they are always happening for you. They're not happening to you. And it's a mindset shift that you have to make. So as a case in point, last year, we needed to make 2.6 million and we needed to make 2.6 million in like three days. And we had no runway because we reinvest everything into technology and people and stuff like this. So I was sitting there going, well, this is it then, you know, can't pay people less, you know, income, less expenses. If your expenses are too high and you don't have enough income, that's the end of your business, right? Especially if you don't have any runway. Um, and so I sat there and I was like, well, what am I going to do? And the one thing that I do reflect on now and I look back on that was that I knew that even then when it seemed impossible that it was going to be okay. 72 hours later, literally 24 hours before we had to do payroll and pay everybody, all that kind of stuff, we generated a whole bunch of cash and we had our best trading month ever of the year. It was just so weird. It was almost like that event was happening for me, not to me. It was there in my own reality to teach me what I needed to learn about myself. And that lesson was very simply this, that no matter what the challenge, there is always another move. If there's a breakdown, there's a breakthrough. You just need to see it. And in the same way that Pepe and Gareth, when they had the day they signed the papers to buy their business back, someone bought a billboard for half a million and they didn't have that cash either. So, I mean, imagine that. You're driving home in your car elated that you've just bought your business back. Everything is great, and the phone rings, and it's the end. <laughs> it's the end again. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So, I mean, this is the reality. This is what people don't talk about. You know, it's like the day before it ends. That's how I describe it. You know, there is always a day before it ends, somewhere, somewhere. Somewhere in every single business, if you think about, you know, all these super uh, successful brands, you know, you can name, name one brand that you really dig, right? That's really successful. Uh, and somewhere along the line, there is this event called the day before it ends. And it's where you sit down, you say, cool, hey, wife, you know, it's over. It's done. High leadership team, guys, listen, it's done. 
we we out we out of business covid's done this many many times um and unfortunately some businesses do not make it obviously that's the truth but the ones that do are the ones that still don't refuse to quit. It's like, okay, well, what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to collapse this company and the next day I'm going to start this one. I'm going to take these people, I'm going to put them there. I'm going to pay, you know, retrench these people and pay them back. It's like, it's never the end. You can always, there's always another move, always. So if you believe that, it's impossible to ever reach terminal velocity where you hit the wall and everything ends. It's hard. It's much harder to... Wind up in that situation if your mindset is right. And entrepreneurship is all about mindset. It's mindset first before skills and everything else that goes along with running a business. You get your mindset right, which is what Gareth and, and Pepe have done with Joe Public. It's what I've done with my business and all the very successful entrepreneurs that I've interviewed. Their mindset is what gets them through. That's incredible, Matt. Thanks for sharing. Ever wanted to become a best-selling author? Well, I'm in the influence business and I work with business owners and CEOs and business leaders to help them scale their influence. And we do this as a team by helping you to become a best-selling author, sought-after speaker and industry influencer in only 30 days. My team and I have developed a system that delivers a best-selling book and a launch campaign 300% faster and 50% less cost than anyone else in North America. This system is incredibly efficient. One of my clients clients haiku went from a 2% share of voice globally to an 11% share of voice globally in only seven days. If you'd like more information, head on over to showworksmedia.com for more. That is showworks with an x.com.